This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. First, I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, Credit Intel. Knowing the financial health of retailers is crucial for the success of your retail-related business. That's what Credit Intel is for. Credit Intel analyzes the financial health of hundreds of publicly and privately held retailers in different sectors. With a subscription to Credit Intel, you have access to comprehensive analysis of retailers' financial condition and their expert analytics team. Visit creditintel.com for more information. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am joined by Maria Toliopoulos. She is the Vice President of Real Estate Strategy at Ulta Beauty. She has been in the retail and retail real estate industries for over 20 years. She was formerly the Senior Vice President of Leasing of RPAI. She's a former practicing attorney. She is a friend. I'm excited to be joined by her. Welcome to the show, Maria. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. So Maria, for those who don't know, I know many people know you, but for those who don't know you, tell a little bit more about who you are. All right. So um, for anybody who has seen my big fat Greek wedding, that's me. Just to to (laughs) sum it up really quickly. Um, Yes, I'm Greek and my parents are first generation. Um, I grew up in the restaurant business and had to work there all throughout law school. I went on after law school to do my master's in information technology, and um, that was like a master of law program. So I thought I was going to end up doing uh, information technology and privacy law. And then I was splitting my time with real estate, ended up absolutely loving real estate and did that, um, you know, 100% of my time. Um, and about 10 years ago, I switched over to the business side. And ended up as the SVP of leasing and national accounts um, for RPAI and was with them during the um, transition into becoming public. Uh, left RPAI about three years ago and took a position with Ulta Beauty as the vice president of real estate strategy. Terrific. And that information technology piece, you're a systems tech guru slash lover of quality systems and tech. Yeah, we've talked about that many a times. I I truly believe it is a missing component in the real estate world, for sure. Yes. So favorite Greek food, what's like, what's like, what, or let me ask it differently. If you're going to make a Greek dish for someone who's normally not had Greek and they were coming over your house, what's like your go-to? What are you making? Greek chicken. Chicken. Right, just simple lemon, olive oil, sure. um, potatoes, and then um, I am going to have to ask my mom to make her famous dessert. She makes the best galakabudiko, um, which is like a custard type dessert, um, and then kudurakia, which are uh, like butter type cookies. Mm. What What are the cookies called again? Yuraka and Galakaburiko. So next time I know I'm going to see you, I will come with a tray of those. Wow. I'll take them. Well, thank you for sharing your cooking skills. I'll take the Greek chicken and Greek potatoes as well. Feel free. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I've got three questions for you. We call this clear the air to get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Question one. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? I am sad to say it's probably pre uh, quarantine, pre COVID. Um, And that makes me sad. It really does because I'm pretty adventurous. Um, I'm usually the first, like when we go on vacation at, you know, maybe like a resort or something and they have the sign up sheets for excursions. I'm the first that's like, let's do it kids. You know? <laughs> um, and so I love trying something new. I love being adventurous. And I just, for me personally, part of quarantine was the inability to, to do that, to add something new. Um, and I know a lot of people who did do that during quarantine and I have, I'm so envious of people who, you know, tried something new or, or learned something. It took the time to, um, to really focus on themselves. I don't feel like I did a good job of that during quarantine. There was a lot of people that got on the sourdough movement. There was a lot of sourdough bread making. I don't know if you right? saw that. I did. I mean, there were so many crazy TikTok trends that I saw, you know, people trying new things and learning new things. But you did take a trip that you drove like 24 hours, right? We did. Yeah. So we did, uh, it was like the midst of quarantine in May of 2020. And I, as you can imagine as a retailer, right, it's crazy in our world during that time. I mean, absolutely crazy. So I've got, I am just, you know, up to here with work and, um, my husband is super crazy. He's a, a construction attorney. So, you know, things were, as you can imagine, crazy in his world, my world, the kids are remote. We're all trying to work, five of us uh, at home in a, you know, an environment which we were all not used to necessarily. So we took a 24-hour road trip to Arizona, rented a house for a month, and uh, did it with my sister-in-law. We quarantined together and then just let the kids, you know, get out, be in the pool during the day so we could actually just work. So the four adults were just working all day inside, but it was fantastic. That had to be a first. It was a first. It was de- it was a first. That was a, a definitely a first. So so there you go. Uh, it was a first walking into gas stations with gloves and masks on, and and then as we kind of got, you know, it depends on like what state you were in. The looks kind of were like, what's wrong with you? Sure. Um, but at the time, you know, again, you just didn't know much about what was going on. So, uh, but yes, first uh, quarantine road trip ever. <laughs> right. Question two, what is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? I do not think that Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan are like some of the best artists ever. Is that awful to say? (laughs) No, no. What type of music do you like? Like, are you listening to pop if I go in your cars at like pop station or like? I have, I mean, I probably have one of the most eclectic music, you know, albums, et cetera. Um, so I, I do love pop. I love hip hop and rap a lot. Um, I love Latin pop music. Um, I listen to Greek music. What's hot in Greek music right now? <laughs> I wish I was in Greece to tell you. Um, <laughs> so I'm like listening to the, all the old songs from like the last time I've been there. Um, and that we were just talking about that. I unfortunately couldn't get to Greece this summer. And that is a big bummer because that's usually when I get to add like all the new cool songs to my repertoire. All right. Question three. Okay. What is one skill you don't possess, but wish you did? Can I do two? So one, yeah, one professional skill would be like some really mad Excel skills. 
Like I want to be able to do V lookups and, you know, I just, I am envious of people who have fantastic Excel skills, sure. but that's not the world I grew up in. I mean, I, as an attorney, I, like my word skills are, you need to do a word document I've got you covered. PowerPoint, I've learned that pretty quickly uh, and I feel like I'm pretty good, but yeah, Excel, not, not my strong suit. Um, personally, I wish I learned an instrument and now, let me asterisk that with, I did learn clarinet when I was younger in grade school. Sure. And my parents used to make me like play the clarinet in the basement when we had like Greek parties. And that was really embarrassing, but I don't feel like the clarinet's like an instrument you would play with all your friends. So I wish I learned like how to play the guitar, you know, like a beach bonfire. I would just be able to bring my guitar out and start <laughs> playing for everybody. I wish I possessed that skill. Sure. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. That was terrific. Let's move on to a little bit businessy. So high level, what's Maria seen in the world today? What, what's got your interest? My interest, um, you know, I, I think you're finally really seeing in the physical space, the convergence between, um, you know, physical retail and then online. And, and those are really coming together for the first time in a way that I think it's forcing both retailers and owners of centers to rethink uh, long-term strategy. So, you know, it's as small as like curbside pickup locations um, and, and, you know, kind of doing away with the, the old rules of, of not allowing that type of signage and that sort of thing, right? And really forcing, um, again, I think more landlords to think of, it, uh, think of it as, okay, this is a necessity. We wanna drive traffic. Sure. Um, this is a great thing. And then, um, you know, autonomous vehicles, I mean, we always kind of joked about it and, and thought that might be something um, that'll, that people talk about we'll never actually, you know, see in our lifetime, um, but it's, it's still coming, right? There's still significant investment in, in those types of technologies. So, um, you know, rethinking again, just like parking structures and, and what are, are all of these vast parking fields gonna be used as? Um, and then it's just inside the box as well. So how are retailers reutilizing their um, footprint? And is it repurposing it? Is it, you know, more show space, more showrooming and smaller back room? Or is it more, let's, let's make the, the front of the store, right? That store experience um, fantastic in a way that you have exposure to as many of the offerings and SKUs that a retailer has available and then move all of the product to the back. Um, so I think you're seeing a lot of shift and rethinking of what does a prototype um, look like and, and what is the optimal you know, box for a retailer look like. Um, so I think a lot of that, you know, I, I keep saying COVID didn't necessarily change retail. It was an accelerant for a lot of what was taking place prior to COVID. Um, and then it just forced both consumers and retailers to accelerate um, both adoption and then um, you know innovation on the retailer side. Yeah, one of the things I'm thinking about from a landlord perspective is, I don't know if it's a divergence or a convergence of making it uber convenient versus increasing dwell time. So you have some retailers who we're talking to who are trying to get consumers in and out of the store as fast as possible, right? Making it uber convenient. And then you have other, retailers, the Ikeas of the world who are, you know, create a maze for you to get lost in and you can't get out. Right. And this convergence and that makes placemaking a little interesting. And I'm curious to see where that goes. And then you have the blends, you have Target, 
I can drive to Target. They'll put it in my trunk. Or I could go shop the store and have a great, you know, in-store experience of, you know, spending an hour looking around at whether it's TVs or, you know, buying some food. So I think this, I don't know if it's a divergence or convergence of convenience and dwell time. And we used to have these like, well, it was a convenience center or it was a destination center. Well, you know, we're starting to talk to retailers who are very focused on convenience, whether it's curbside pickup or whether it's there's a grocer out there who wants to have carts that just drive out of the store and you don't have to check out. And so this convergence of dwell time versus convenience, I think is interesting. And we're, we're, we're using all the analytics to try to, whether it's geofencing or mobile analytics to look at it and say, okay, well, you know, maybe 24 months ago, the average consumer staying for 12 minutes on property was bad. I don't know which way you're trying to go. Do you want it to be four minutes or do you want it to be 90? And I keep hearing is both. We want both because we want to be able to service all consumers how they want to be conserved, whether that's they want to make a fast trip. We want to be able to deliver on that. They want to stay for two hours. We want to be able to deliver on that. And I think that's going to make things interesting from a landlord perspective, a placemaking perspective. And I don't know. What do you think? I, yeah. I mean, I, I think for the landlord, it's just about frequency of trips, right? So whether they're dwelling or whether it's just in and out convenience, the more um, trips that are made to that center, the, the more eyes that are put on that center, the more it becomes something that, you know, as a consumer, I'm driving into a center and today I might be just going in there for A, but I am constantly seeing that, hey, there's a gym there, or I'm constantly seeing that, you know, there's a, a smoothie place there. So it becomes top of mind when I then say, okay, I need to do this service or I want to seek out this type of retailer. Um, and for the retailer, you know, again, I, I, it comes down to really understanding your guest needs. And so, you know, what is it that your guest is driven by? And um, I do think, you know, again, when we think about how COVID has accelerated a lot of these efforts, um, retailers now know their guests better than ever. Um, I think adoption of analytics has, has significantly helped. I think um, understanding the pain points of their guests during COVID um, I think, you know, guests became very vocal about what they wanted and what they needed, both from, uh, you know, just safety and culture standpoint from a retailer. I think that's become extremely important as well. Um, but also just what they needed in, in terms of fulfilling their, their current shopping needs. And, and that changed. I mean, we, we obviously saw a significant change. Um, but you're also now kind of seeing the, you know, quarantine kind of resurgence of people wanting to be in a physical store. So I think across the board, you're going to see dwell time go up. And that's mostly because people, we're social people. We want to be in an environment where we are talking with the associates. As a guest, I want to, I want to have that conversation. I want to talk about my purchase um, or potential purchase with the expert that knows whether it's, you know, I'm buying a, a lipstick and they're advising me as to a shade or I'm buying electronics and they're telling me, you know, which one is best for my needs. Um, I, I think you are going to see more, you know, dwell time increase um, if you're doing any of those, you know, geospatial type um, analytics, regardless of what the retailer thinks they're doing it's convenient versus, um, you know, dwell time. Got it. Okay. That was helpful. 
you mentioned something about learning more about the guest and safety. So without getting in a debate on CNN versus Fox News, how is safety right now for the consumer still top of mind concern in shopping? Uh, I, I think it just de- depends, right? For some um, guests, it is top of mind. For others that have now gained a new sense of confidence, whether it's you know vaccinated, um, reading some more of the the information that's coming out, um, and and really kind of getting a sense of I am knowing what you're you're coming out of quarantine and what you're doing, um, taking that risk, et cetera. I I do think it's becoming less top of mind um, from a you know the the COVID pandemic standpoint. Is security, however, in terms of feeling that they are walking into a safe environment, they can have a safe shopping experience, um, and that you know the parking lot is safe. I don't think that is changing. I think that is still top of mind, regardless of what news source you're watching, regardless of of kind of what's taking place. Um, you know, the more that people are coming out of a quarantine, I think the the more they want to. There's a lot of I, I, you read, you know, plenty of studies. There's a lot of anxiety. Um, coming out of quarantine for many people. And so as you're walking into a social environment, you want to make sure that they're safe, both from a, the pandemic COVID standpoint, but also from a just overall security um, LP concern. Got it. That's that's helpful insights. And I think we did a good job of staying away from CNN versus Fox News there. Right. So. <laughs> so right now, at least the last few months, We've been seeing these extraordinary retail results and there's all these things about whether it was stimulus money or it was, you know, getting out of lockdown and they're finally out and people are social beings. Is this sustainable? Um, I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to watch if it's more just, uh, we're going to hit an inflection point in terms of spending, um, However, I do think, you know, you have a couple of things. You have the, the stimulus type, you know, payments that obviously contributed to it. But there are a lot of dollars that are sitting idle right now and are, has, have yet to still be spent. Totally. I mean, our savings um, number is, you know, I, I don't remember the actual number because you're in like trillions, but um, it, the amount that we are still have saved versus what it would otherwise be like pre-pandemic, there's still a lot of pent up dollars that are yet to be spent. You also have a lot of retailers who have either significantly shrunk their footprint and or unfortunately have gone away, right? I mean, when you look at the restaurant landscape, for example, um, right now there are less options to choose from. So for each of those retailers, as people are coming, you know, especially restaurants, as they're coming back out and, and looking to go out and spend, um, you know, whether it's there's only so many restaurants to choose from or yeah. there's capacity limitations, right? So um, people are forced to be kind of, you know, trying something different or new because they can't get into their favorite space because unfortunately, you know, labor is still an issue. Um, and so some of the restaurants can't open full capacity um, because they just do not have the staff to do so. Um, and so I think, you know, you, there's still going to be some um, dollars that are yet to be spent because 
you know, restaurant industry, for example, can't quite absorb it all yet. Totally. Well, first off, the labor thing is crazy right now. We don't have to go into that, but that's crazy. But I'm with you. I think we have a long runway for this to settle out. You also have what will happen is you mentioned the savings. Well, banks are sitting on the savings, paying interest on it. And last year they didn't lend. So they have to put out money. And so that's going to circulate more money into the economy. And I think that's going to be an accelerant as well. And that's long tail. So anyway, thank you for some insights on how Maria is looking at the world these days. We now have a story. You have a story for us. Tell us a story about a a location, a store you were involved in that uh, was interesting to you. You know, I don't know if it's a store necessary, like one store, but I just remember like when Amazon first kind of announced they were going to do their first retail, physical retail store. Um, And thinking like, who in the world is going to want to walk into the Jetsons store and, you know, like are, are consumers ready for this, right? I mean... And then, of course, from like the tech side, I'm just like, all right, how are they going to keep fraud and, and theft? You know, like, how is that going to be all dealt with? Um, and then, you know, it's it rolls out and then you watch Four Star and the bookstores. And all of a sudden you're like, it's like watching, you know, Taco Bell become, I don't know if you've ever seen Demolition Man. Yeah, a long time ago, long time ago. Like, I love that movie. And so <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, like Taco Bell becomes the only restaurant, right? It's like your fast food and your fine dining. It's the only place to eat. Like, and you're slow, you know, so slowly seeing that. Um, and I just, I'm fascinated by it. Um, I also, you know, think it is something that it, um, I, I would love to see, uh, the balance sheets at the end of the day for, you know, some of that, that physical retail, um, but I think it's really forced. What's been exciting to watch is is how all of the other retailers have reacted to um, Amazon, and and how many retailers have really stepped up their game. Um, and it it really brought a lot of innovation to retail, um, not just by Amazon, but by other retailers who you know were then in a position where they had you know, executive team support and board support in order to invest in um, some of these these ideas that, you know, maybe didn't have a lot of traction prior to that. So sticking to that, what is one idea that comes to mind that like you've seen Amazon do and then that either give other retailers the courage or just the flexibility to the market that they weren't crazy to go do something? Um, I think, you know, frictionless checkout slash uh, self-checkout really took off. You know, people, other retailers were doing it. Um, but I think that was, it definitely accelerated it. Um, but I also do think that you witnessed um, something that validated what some of the retailers were doing and Amazon was trying to move away from, which was having associates in the store. Um, you know, that was the one thing that guests uh, while it great for super convenience, they still wanted an associate. They still wanted somebody to go to if something wasn't working or, you know, they still wanted someone um, to interact with. And so it validated for some retailers, their approach of really investing in their team and, and have that outward facing associate in the store, um, really, you know, being the representative of the brand. Have you gone and shopped Amazon Fresh? I have. Did you like it? Um, yeah, you know, I feel like it's 
It's someplace that would probably be in my list of, you know, the four or five places we go um, for, you know, our groceries, but I don't see it being like the dominant, um, but I, I, but that could change, right? I mean, a lot of it's just based on what's nearby and, um, you know, what, what's the great new thing that my kids are um, crazy over and we are constantly going to and replenishing, right? Like, it's just, I feel like we've got like, you know, four or five places that we frequent pretty darn often um, on a rolling basis. What, so, what's the grocery store that you guys frequent most? I would say Whole Foods. And again, that's, I, I'm, the, I'm the big organic, you know, non-GMO. Like I'm constantly, my poor kids are just so annoyed by crazy mom. Um, but it's also really convenient because I'm two blocks away. So I could walk there and just grab things that we need. Um, so from a frequency standpoint, their Target, Costco, uh, Trader Joe's, because, you know, everybody loves their, their cookies. And um, it's just, I mean, we, Pete's Market, um, which is here local, it's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we've got, we've got a few. Is there a Mariano's close by? Uh, there, there used to be. So that's a perfect example. We were close to Mariano's and then we, it's now kind of on the other side of town for us. So we're actually closer to the Whole Foods and Pete's Fresh. So, you know, that, that also obviously changes, changes the dynamic. Totally. So talking about just Ulta for a second, what's going on there? How are you guys looking at the world and what can we expect, I think, from a shopping experience at Ulta? Um, You know, from a shopping experience, I, I really believe that we have some of the best associates um, in all of retail working at Ulta Beauty. And so um, from a, just the ability to walk in, you know, I brought my teen daughter in when she was going to get kind of her first few pieces of makeup and um, just being able to, as a mom, it's, it's kind of nerve wracking, right? Like it's a little bit of a milestone. And I remember like doing my first, you know, makeup when I was younger. Um, By the way, but, I have a four-year-old daughter. I have no context. What age does that happen? Oh gosh. So I'm sure it could start at four where she's grabbing like mom's, you know, lipstick and wanting to eyeshadow right and completely like does something silly. But I do think um, that it is well, like, you know, she turned 13 and that was when we said, okay, fine. You can have a little bit of like a lip gloss and, you know, wanted to get some like acne treatment um, skin stuff. And so that was kind of the first like big moment where we did a big shopping purchase. Um, and so I remember just walking in now, mind you, as a mom, like you're really excited for it and kind of, you know, like, oh, my baby girl's also getting old as a daughter. You want like at least mine. She wanted nothing to like, she didn't want to hear what my recommendations were. Does not matter. Right. Like, I don't care what you think. This is what I saw on TikTok. This is what I like. These are the brands and these are the things that I need. And mom, you have no idea. So I just kind of like handed her off to one of our, you know, Ulta Beauty Associates. I'm like, all right, here you go. Let she'll she'll take care of you. And then, you know, she just came back with like a basket of items. And I just looked in there and I was like, oh, you did great. You know, like my daughter was so happy. Um, she had such a great experience. Like I it, I could have told her the exact same thing. Like you should all, you know, use this product or whatever. She wouldn't have listened, but you know, it was like, she came back. I mean, we all had such a great experience and it was so fun watching her like try to act like a, you know, older. That's terrific. You know, 20 something year old talking to the beauty associate. So um, yeah, 
that's I, I just think associates uh, and and training and and the uh, knowledge of the product is so important for retail. Um, and then for you know for Ulta Beauty, I mean we're still expanding, so we're still growing, which is exciting. Um, and so we have not um, obviously you know stopped that trajectory. Um, there's there's still I think a lot of growth to do both um, from a physical in terms of where we're going to put our stores and how many stores we're going to we're going to do, but also just in terms of how the store inside will continue to evolve. For the listeners out there, are the Target, Ulta's, any of them open yet? Not yet. Not yet. Stay tuned. We will. A couple months. Is that what I heard? And how many will open at once? Will it be hundreds? Yet to be. I think announced. I don't want to misstep and say anything that has not been public. But yeah, at the end of the day, listen, it's going to be a shop within a shop that is just one more place of being able to reach our consumer. Um, And I'm a perfect example of it. I have the highest tier of loyalty at Ulta Beauty. I've been a loyalty member since like 1996 at Ulta Beauty. Wow. I still have my original card. Um, So I I feel like it's like the hair club for men. I can, I work there, but I'm also like probably one of the best guests. Um, And I, I definitely do. Of course I do the majority of my beauty shopping at Ulta Beauty. Um, But I, of course I am at, you know, target. And then it dawns on me that I need to grab something. And so for, uh, for me, I'm excited about it because then I have the the brands that I love, the brands that I know, and they'll be available there. Um, And then there's also the, the guests that aren't necessarily familiar with Ulta Beauty um, or, you know, maybe only shop there once every so often, whether it's they don't have one nearby to them that's convenient um, based on their shopping patterns, or, um, you know, they just are, don't frequent beauty stores that often. So it allows us to have, you know, access to new guests. Um, And so there's some really great synergy, both from the offering, as well as just culturally. I think, you know, everything I've said about Ulta Beauty and our associates um, target from a culture, you know, perspective is, is very similar, right? Really value associates, really invest in the training, et cetera. So, um, you know, those, the two brands are so well aligned in that way. Okay. That's terrific. All right. I want to pivot the conversation and talk way more about Maria. Oh no. I got a lot of more Maria stuff Okay. for the audience. What do you exactly do at Ulta? Let's start there. Wow. It's a little bit of everything. So um, what I oversee is program management, which is basically, um, you know, construction budgeting, lease administration type items, um, waiver requests, uh, which I know. Right. Um, And then overall just again construction new store management as well as managing you know our renewal portfolio in terms of key dates um, and action items in the lease so there's that component um, and then another is market research so all of the analytics um, both with new store site selection as well as um, our renewals and then we partner internally with numerous departments to review 
um, you know, help them with understanding like success of a brand based on demographics, um, anything that is, you know, geospatial and anything that we can pull in terms of just, you know, physical retail market um, demographics will we'll work with the rest of the team. Um, and then on top of that, it becomes a little bit of, you know, I, I have my obviously background is, is a real estate a retail attorney having done, you know, quite a few uh, retail leases in my prior, prior, you know, legal life. So, you know, I'll get pulled into maybe some of those discussions or um, obviously, you know, as you can imagine, I'm working on, you know, a lot of data and, um, you know, kind of master data um, and other projects in the organization that are enterprise wide. And then obviously, you know, with the strategy component as well, working at the enterprise level on any strategy initiatives. Got it. That's pretty exciting. A lot of stuff. It sounds never boring. So that's good. Never boring. No. I think one of the things though, that's interesting is you've had a pretty, what I would call eclectic career where you've made a bunch of transitions. You went from an attorney to the business side, and then you went from the landlord to the retailer side or for other industries from the selling side to the buying side of a marketplace. Walk us through how you think about and what you're feeling when you think like it's time for a change. Um, you know, part of it is for me, um, I love learning something new. I really do. And, and that is what really, you know, motivates me from um, what I truly enjoy from my work is both continuously learning um, and challenging myself. And then also, um, you know, what can I contribute, right? So uh, we've talked about it before. I love anything tech related because I love being able to simplify processes and really optimize how a business is working. Um, and, and so it kind of gets to the point where, you know, when I look at the teams, I also love leading teams um, not not because I enjoy having, you know, direct reports. I enjoy being able to really kind of see potential in people and mold them and grow them. Um, I do take so much personal enjoyment out of that. And um, I think it is, you know, it, in real estate, it might have not necessarily been as valued more from the landlord side, I think, as much as, you know, from the retailer side. Um, and so I... I really love being in a position where I'm able to say, okay, you know, this team, it, look at look at how phenomenal they've become, both in terms of what they've learned and what they can do now on their own. And it's almost like, um, for me, taking the next position has been more about like, I've grown it, I've seen it, I've been able to, like my child, right? They're now like off into the world and it's fantastic. And now I want to to experience that again, right? So then, you know, kind of, drove me to go to Ulta Beauty. I mean, I almost, you know, whatever, uh, over 15 years on the landlord side, you always kind of think what's going on at a retailer, right? So sure. I really wanted to like peek behind the curtain at Oz and see what does really happen at a retailer. Um, and it's been fantastic, both from a culture standpoint, as well as just learning um, more about other areas, which I just didn't have as much experience experience or insights to such as like merchandising and, um, you know, 
true supply chain, right? Um, and, and marketing. I think those are just areas where I continuously love to just be a part of the discussion. So I continue, so I can continue to grow. At Ulta Beauty is the industrial uh, corporate office real estate. That's district offices. Is that handled by a different department? So corporate is handled by um, the real estate department, but then there's a different supply chain team completely. Um, and, you know, when you think of like supply chain, the, the, the warehouse and negotiating the warehouse lease, that is such a small component. Um, and of course we'll assist in that, but the logistics of just, you know, supply chain in itself is just a whole different world. Um, and, and I think way beyond what um, many, you know, real estate um, people think about. Sure. Before, before they're exposed to just, you know, real supply chain. That was very helpful. So Maria is a continuous learner, everybody. Going back, I think one of the things I find interesting, you went from legal to business, not unique to real estate. I think there's always this tug and pull between legal folks and business folks. What was the catalyst for that transition? And sometimes it's, it's hard to find that opportunity, right? Sometimes the business side doesn't necessarily want an attorney over to come on over to the business side. So what was that transition when you were like, you know, I've been a practicing attorney for a while. I'm now going to go on to the business side. Yeah. So um, two parts of that, but first I'll say for me personally, I was not the attorney that liked to drag out. I, I loved the art of negotiation. I loved doing a deal, but as I mentioned, like my husband's also an attorney and he does litigation and there is nothing remotely interesting about his world to me um, <laughs> because it's so adversarial in nature. And I really was drawn to, you know, being able to reach a resolution. And I love the, the creativity and how innovative you could be in finding some sort of solution, right? There, if, if you both are looking at the same end goal, there should not be anything that gets in the way in accomplishing that, right? There's always a, some sort of ability to, you know, satisfy each person's concerns in, in order to get to that end goal. And um, for me, like, again, dragging out a lease draft, 20 versions, I'm like, oh my gosh, can we just jump to version 20 already? You know, like in my head, it just, and so the more and more I kind of was feeling that way, the more I was drawn to the business side where it's like being able to balance, it's really the end of the day, balancing the risk assessment, you know, and for me, I think it's helpful that I'm able to understand here are all the risks and let me just get to the answer pretty quickly. Um, so that was one of, one of the reasons that I did want to jump to, to the business side when I was offered the opportunity. Um, but I will say that the, you know, the second part of that is really having amazing mentors. And I can't say enough for anybody who's, um, you know, whether they're looking at career changes or they're new in the industry, um, finding good leaders, finding great mentors, finding people who will um, both push you and support you is so important. Um, And so at the time when I made the switch, I went to the general counsel who I I reported to and um, said, you know, I've been asked to go to the other side. Um, and he, you know, said, I've seen it go wrong, right? I, I've seen it go, go wrong. And, and some attorneys that it just, it's not for them. They try it and they realize they don't like it. They like, you know, they don't want to necessarily own the decision. They want to be able to, um, you know, assess the risk. Exactly. So, so, um, 
you know, he warned me of that, but he fully supported me making the transition um, and, and was somebody who was completely, you know, in my corner cheering me on through it and was still a resource after I made that, that transition. And then my COO who asked me to come over um, again, saw that ability. And I, uh, you know, most of the people that were in my job prior or at, at companies, um, my counterpart at, at another, you know, REIT, for example, most of them probably grew up through, you know, the broker world, um, right? And so they they may have started as brokers and then went in-house um, or they started as, as leasing agents in-house and had grown up through the, the ranks there. Um, and so, you know, he saw the ability and and just having the skill sets to be able to do that. Um, and that was for me, again, to have somebody, a leader who saw that and then was able to help mold it and, and grow me in that position. Um, you know, I'm so thankful for that, but it also helped me in turn then want to be that leader for others as well, right? So being able to identify talent, being able to identify people's, you know, um, certain abilities and where they would be best suited and where they would really um, be, you know, optimized in terms of their contributions. Um, I really, having that experience and being the beneficiary of it, I couldn't wait to pay it forward. And that's how I've continuously tried to to lead. Very, very inspirational story. Thank you. Uh, That was great. So I think you dropped a lot of knowledge for those who might be looking to make a change because you've made a few and seemingly they're all have gone and are going well. So thank you for sharing. We're running short on time. I want to bring us to the last part of the show. I've got three fun questions for you, Maria. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question one, what is the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Oh, the last item was a uh, mini hoop, over the door mini hoop as a birthday present for one of my friend's sons. And I apologize to her already because those are so aggravating and annoying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's what we know he wanted. Uh, So that was my last in-store purchase, actually. Where'd you get it? Target. Okay. Question two. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? All right, um, I'll be quick, but I've got a couple. So merry-go-round, I don't know if anybody remembers merry-go-round, a clothing retailer. That was my first mall job. So I really wish I could kind of take my kids in there and, and, you know, show them my first mall job. Um, I just hope no pictures resurface of me wearing merry-go-round clothing. I'm already Googling right now. Maria, I'm totally opposite. Merry-go-round. Oh my gosh. Uh, And then Marshall- I found one. Let me share it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh gosh, uh, those were the days. Um, lots of Aquanet and big hair. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Marshall Field. It's just nostalgic. I grew up again, like my dad had a restaurant in the city. And I just remember going to Marshall Fields on State Street. And and it was everything that like that depart- old department store had, like the associates. I remember just being so put together and, and knowledgeable and just had this air about them. And um and then the store itself being decorated for the holidays. And um, so, yeah, I, I do miss Marshall Fields. It's a good store. Last question. Maria, if you and I were shopping at Target and there wasn't an Ulta in the store. So if you and I were shopping at Target, there's no Ulta in the store. And I lost you. Where would I find you? I tell you to look in two spots. One would be the candy aisle. Mm. 
I'm yeah, I have a sweet tooth and it's awful. And I'm like a little like old grandma who always has a little something in her purse for somebody. Like, You want gum, you want mint, you want a like sweet piece of butterscotch. Like I usually have it in my bag. Um, or because I'm also kind of a Girl Scout. Uh, the, the, so you know that little like section over by the pharmacy, typically where it's got like all the travel size items yeah. and they're like, you know, the small little deodorant that so I am always in that section buying like you know hand sanitizing wipes or um I like shout stain wipes I mean if you need something like you know you pop a button after a big meal like I got you covered because I usually have needle and thread on me I have pretty much any like you know oops I moment type thing in my bag so I love that that is good to know for the ICSC because Anytime I need a band-aid, I need a nail file, go see, go see Maria. Do you carry like the tide sticks or something like that? I do. Yeah, Always. I need those. For Always. Sure. Come find me. I got you covered. You mentioned the sweet tooth. I, I also have a good sweet tooth. What, what's the candy of choice for Maria? Oh, York peppermint patty without a doubt. Huh. What did it pick that one? Okay. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I, maybe I, a butterfinger, but... See, I'm a chocolate person too. I, I was going to peg you as like the Sour Patch Kid slash Mike and Ike type, like that type of sweet. Oh, I do love a good Sour Patch for sure. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Are you kidding me? Uh, usually go for the sour more than the like super sweet ones. Like not a Skittles fan, but I love Smarties. Oh, I don't like Smarties. Oh, I love Smarties. I don't. I, I, you would be great at trading Halloween candy. <laughs> <laughs> trading Halloween candy. That's great. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was great. Thank you for taking me through a whole bunch of different things from retail to more about you and to uh, your career. So really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.